Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1999 knee-deep in diaper gravy here in 2020. I am one of your hosts, Kenny Nybart. And I'm Phyllis Gove. And for the last episode of 2020, we have done the, uh, the, the illustrious Christmas film, Baby Geniuses. And this is an appropriate way to end 2020, if I'm being honest. This it, it is. Like the film of 2020. We have been knee-deep in diaper gravy for a year. Um, <laughs> with us today, uh, one of my closest friends and one of the people I'm most fond of in the world from K-Rock, the Striker and Klein show, it's Kevin Klein. Thank Guys, you for coming to talk about your favorite movie, Baby Geniuses. I'm just honored that you included me in clearly the final podcast because if there were any other movies at all in 1999, we would have watched them before Baby Geniuses. So I assume this is the final show, and thank you for having me on it. Yeah, we had to go. We had to go out with a bang. Oh my that God. Um, it's very easy to hate on children, and I think that uh, this com- this movie really was more of an infomercial for abortion than an actual. <laughs> But I, I'm sure, like you guys have been known to do from time to time, oh. you, will, you will find actual reasons why this movie was not 100% uh, diaper garbage. But I look forward to hearing why. I mean, I got to be honest with, uh, you know, with you. Kenny and I were uh, texting a little bit. Kenny watched this film a few days prior to me. and, and I, could, I couldn't wait. He was pretty despondent in the beginning of this film. The texts were grim. And I felt like <laughs> he, he was in a really dark place. 
Uh, but I was like, well, you know what? It's maybe, I mean, how bad can it be? I mean, I was similarly in a dark place. 20 minutes into this film, you're just like, how is there still another hour and 10 minutes left in this thing? But, I think that's when you texted me, Kevin, about yeah. how much, how, what a great rollicking time you were having. Yeah, I got to the the uh, the quotable moment of the movie. Uh, the night is young, and so am I. Uh, which was a, a baby that uh, was decided to take take on the town. And I think that's before we got into the the baby uh, the baby costume slash disco montage. Uh, but I'll say this much about uh, baby baby geniuses. Um, the thing that's remarkable looking back is that Danny DeVito played all of the roles. That is the part that I'm blown away. It is pretty so, shocking. I, I have to. I actually have to agree. I think. I mean, there's a lot of naders in this film. This film continues to somehow outdo itself by like just terrible moments. But that montage in the mall with to uh, and he's the various sort of like it, it's it's kind of the career opportunities moment of of the film is it's really such a long moment. montage that it, it runs over putting on the Ritz like the cool yes. version of putting on the Ritz into yeah. into <laughs> put in, in, yes, into staying alive. They just can't stop. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm, I just want to take, I want to just take a quick second here just to talk, um, just, just to sort of try to, to convey the feeling when the special effects of this movie kick in, like when you actually start to see these babies doing just wrong. Non baby things. things. Yeah. Non baby things, things. Can't do. It's so unnatural. Like, I can't really convey how unnatural and how upsetting it is. I would be shocked if someone listening to this hasn't seen the film, but let's just say on the off chance they haven't. Uh, it is really, it, it looks almost like the whole thing was a school project uh, with very, almost that, <laughs> like at some point when the babies start acting uh, and getting, as you said, uh, when the physical violence starts, it's almost like they switched to claymation for a period. It's very weird. <laughs> it's, oh my God. It, it's just, it's. The Maos have a little bit of that uh, that, that Conan O'Brien bit where he puts his mouth on on other photos. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where like yes, of course. Talks or, yeah, uh, it kind of feels like that. They call um, that jib jab technology. Okay, my apologies. Uh, yeah, so it, it's it's just it's it's just so so unsettling. Like the whole movie has just a very eerie quality to it that's completely unintentional. It is an unsettling movie. Kevin, before we move on, uh, Kevin, where were you in 1999? I was a freshman at Syracuse University in Syracuse, New York, and I was was probably out of the demo for this movie. But as I was watching it, I was thinking to myself, (laughs) what is the demo for this movie? Because it was too extreme to show a child, and it was too... Who the who gives an F to show an adult? So I was wondering, and I don't know how it did in the box office. I'm sure you have all those facts oh, we'll, and figures. We'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah, uh, but I not uh, that I, badly. I, I, I know. Shocking, I, because I was thinking to myself, who was this movie made for exactly? And the only thing I came up with was blind and deaf people. <laughs> <laughs> Can I, I also think that it should be said that you know, I, I, I a bunch of my younger friends who are probably ten years my my junior loved this movie as a kid like i think that this movie hits some sort of a weird spot for someone who is probably you know 10 or younger i mean did you watch this with your kids kenny no i wouldn't even subject them to this that's fair i didn't want them i didn't want and i and i have shown them every movie that's 
even kind of appropriate, but I didn't want them to think think less of me. So. <laughs> well, I would be scared they would like it, and then you'd be forced to watch it over and over again. No, no, not my kids. No, I believe not. That is the, that's the irony of the film. I think is that if you like it, you're immediately no, no, uh, not a baby genius. I think that is the interesting. <laughs> It, it, it's, it, a it's, test. Like a, it's a litmus test really for your yeah. intelligence and I actually think yeah. that the baby co is behind the whole operation because this movie did you like it? Okay, you're an idiot. Move on. That's how we know. <laughs> I mean, do you think that this do you test screen this? Like I don't even know like if you're I'm just I try as I was watching the film I tried to put myself in the headspace of like an executive that was forced to watch cuts of this thing and thinking like this is garbage. This can't possibly work. And so then you know, somehow it kind of does. Phil, it's interesting you say a lot of the people you know who are 10 years younger than, than we are, we're all around the same age, like this movie. Because as we're doing the 89 miniseries on our Patreon, we are coming across a lot of these movies that don't make sense to people who didn't see them when they were seven, eight, or nine. That we're, you know, we feel compelled yeah. to defend even though like they're not necessarily objectively great movies. Um, is, is it possible that there's a world where if you saw, if you were exposed to this at seven, eight, nine, this is just, this is look who's talking for you. No, it's I mean, not. Okay. I, that, that's, that's the question that I, I <clears throat> no, no. I mean, that, that's the question that I kind of asked myself as I was watching. Cause, and we texted a little bit about this cause I did, I did refer to, to look who's talking and whether or not there is, a connection here. I mean, look who's talking is fucking Citizen Kane in comparison to this movie. I mean, that goes sure. that goes without saying. But it, it does feel like if you're a kid between, let's say, the ages of like seven and ten or something like that, maybe you're just like, well, look, it's it it could be me. Like, is there some sort of a projection that's going on? I really don't know. I mean, it's it's the only thing that I could kind of grapple with as I was watching this, just thinking like there's a lot of wasted talent in this movie, which is the other thing where I'm just like, these actors are better than this. What the fuck is Chris Lloyd doing in this movie? Well, I, I, here's the thing. I do believe that this movie without knowing the history was probably available for 99 cents at many blockbusters for a long time. And so I do think there's a chance that this was a, a rewatchable film because it was just available because it was cheaper than every other movie. And so I think if you hit that impressionable age, I'm not exactly sure where that is. Uh, but, and you watch this over and over again, could it be one of those movies? And here we are trying to judge it. I think we've all seen it one time. Is it a movie that gets better every time you see it? Are there nuances to the film that we are all too simple uh, to even understand? And, and and if you were a young kid and you watched this thing four, five, six times, uh, you know, in that sweet spot, uh, will this be maybe one of your top ten movies of all time? It's possible. I mean, I could see that someone making that argument. It would be difficult for me to buy into it, but it may be. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. I, I think also there's – I mean, so the movie's got 2% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics. Um, it's got 24% from audiences. Um, this movie, I think, exists in a very strange slipstream of like a concept that actually like really annoyed me to my core of sure. just like how how deeply fucking illogical it was. Like there are there are buy-ins. Kenny, we've talked about buy-ins before on this podcast. This is way fucking past a buy-in to me. Like, what I'm supposed to... What, what is, for our audience, what is that concept, Phil? What are we dealing with in this movie? 
Well, we are we are dealing with the idea that when babies are talking in gibberish, they're actually speaking in their own language, and they are actually infinitely more intelligent than we're giving them credit for. And then they if they possess I don't know, all the world's knowledge. Is the idea including indeed, and, right. including recent pop culture? Right, references. and and that and that they they essentially kind of give up, quote unquote, on that language and conform to our version of English, uh, and pretend to be stupid for like you know ten, fifteen years or whatever. Like, they cross, I, they cross over. So, mm-hmm. so the 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 part that's actually kind of really, really um, insane is the way they try to ground this in yes. Tibetan. Yeah in Tibetan, uh, like, religion and kind of this Buddhist yeah. idea that babies yeah. are born with the world's knowledge and then they cross over into idiothood when they learn English, I guess. Um, but so that's, what that's like, the buy-in. And then, like, the second part of the buy-in, which I honestly don't understand to begin with, is, like, Kathleen Turner is a doctor who... Yes. A female doctor? You can't believe that? I, I hear you. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard I can't to operate on this boy. He's my son. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. there's a Kathleen Turner's a doctor. So if you could take that leap for a second, um, who who I think kidnaps babies. Like I think that's what she's doing. I guess she's adopting them, but she's not adopting them to be with families. She's adopting them to uh, experiment on them. Experiment with them, and it, I got to tell you, like it's kind of working because because <laughs> Sly the baby. Ooh. The main baby, the baby star of this movie, who refers to himself as the Sly Man, uh, is good at everything. Yeah. This, he, he is. He is. He is a martial arts master. He is a disco dancer. He. He. he I, I believe he smokes a cigar at one point yeah. during this movie. This. He. He is a ladies' man. Oh uh, yeah, I would argue sexual predator in the making it's because a, he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does come on a little strong. In the in the bassinet, he does. He, yeah. he gives. I, I think he gives her what's under that dress toots. I think. Yes. Yes. Um, and yeah, he he is he is truly a baby genius. Um, I mean, he is. He is. He's the yeah. titular baby genius. <laughs> well, there are more. There are a bunch. I know. I, I, know. I, I don't. I, I don't know what's going on in this movie, but I do think there's okay. a lot. To, a lot of. A lot of fun to be had in, in talking about. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I kept sort of thinking about there were a couple films that kind of bounced around in my head. Obviously, vastly uh, superior films. You know, Home Alone, um, mm-hmm. Baby Herman from uh, from uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, uh, mm-hmm. even Baby's Day Out, which also is not a good movie, but at least like conceptually, it's just like it's a weird sort of uh, Rube Goldberg machine of a baby just kind of hitting things for for baby's, ninety minutes. Baby's Day Out is not bad. Yeah, I mean, compared to this, not, it's not, I mean, like it's not because the baby is a baby. <laughs> so that's what I mean. Like, at least I don't have to is, buy into anything. That movie's great. That movie's basically Joe Montana can't outsmart this actual baby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just. Th- th- I, I guess the other thing that hit me as I was watching this is that it's clear that someone was like, "We have the technology now to make babies talk." So and they back into the premise off of that. So let's right? do it. Yeah. So they they kind of they twist themselves into a pretzel to figure out a way, a unbelievably convoluted way to get where we get in this movie. Like when you parse out the plot of this movie, it's like genuinely hard to follow. 
Well, you have to be a genius. See, uh, once again, it's proof that the movie is really is really just a test, and uh, and we're simpletons trying to figure it out. I also think this had a little bit of Beverly Hills Cop three in it, uh, and uh, and I think that a lot of movies of the genre would have an amusement park kind of climax scene totally. at the end where someone took control and and a bad guy ended up on an out of control roller coaster. I mean, it had. All of those things uh, in it. I mean, that was another. You want to talk about the the hard parts to grasp. This whole amusement park they were going to build, uh, f- uh, Funland or Pride Land or Baby Joyland, Land, Joyland, Toyland, Joyland. whatever they were called, Joy, Joy yeah. Joyland. It, it, oh, yeah. it all seemed um, un- unnecessary and kind of crowbarred into everything else as well. These sinister robot babies. These, well, these I think that I, I think we're sinister. also kind of we're also circling something that I think is that I think is the most off-putting part of the film, which is genuinely like it's the tone. You know, uh, Bob Clark, the director of it this is, film, yeah. who who did Porky's, he did A Christmas Story, he did the, the Sly Stallone, Dolly Parton, Rhinestone movie. Like, he's done a bunch of kind of, I mean, Christmas Story aside, but like Porky's is, that's that's a pretty grody movie. And there's a kind of grossness and a kind of like blue humor that exists sort of simmering under the surface of this film that also makes it feel like inappropriate. Like there's just this, this strangeness to it that like, had it been put in the hands of a, of a, of a filmmaker who made children's films, like I thought, and this is not necessarily fair, but like if Chris Columbus did this film, for instance, this film would be infinitely better. It would have a heart that I bought into. It would have a storyline that was clean and understandable. Like it's just, it's a mess. It's, all right, this movie really is a mess on every level, and I don't think it's salvageable in any way. Um, I do, I, I, I do think that you're you're right about the tone, Phil. I have, I, I didn't know I could hate a baby as much as I, I, I've hated babies. I've, I've hated, I've hated plenty of babies, many more yeah. young children, yeah. um, but. I despise the Sly Man. He's a horrible. I fucking little, hate him. Yeah. He's a horrible little snot-nosed <laughs> son of a bitch. Yeah, Very and you entitled. don't want to win. He's entitled. He's yeah. so mean to the other babies. He's so terrible to Basil. The, the baby. Only, the only uh, comparison I think I could make is probably what Kenny was like as a baby. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, Phil. I know. I know you were thinking the same thing that uh, this baby is, thinks it knows everything, does know a lot, has a very kind of uh, kind of this constant shit eating grin. And I think to myself, was this not a young Kenny Nybar? And and was yeah. this entire episode just an excuse for us to watch Kenny's old uh, home movies? Yeah, yeah. The baby, baby was way too coordinated to be like me. But regardless, I do see a lot of me and, and my children in this like need to be the best. Yes, that's that is it is a very dark streak. Maybe this movie hit too close to home. I'm yeah. not sure. <laughs> I want I want to talk about Bob Clark for a minute because what because some people like a Christmas story. Um are you guys a lot of people like a Christmas story. Oh, do you guys like a Christmas story? I've never seen it. Good for you. I find it to be overrated. I think people say they like it because they, once again, there's nostalgia wrapped up in it and we're uh, locked into nostalgia more now than ever before. Uh, it's the only thing that maybe this movie has going for it. The only thing that the Christmas story, it, it's a nostalgia thing and people put it on in the background and they feel warm and fuzzy, but it's not. If you were to break it down, that's another horrible movie. 
I think, yeah, I, I, I've never understood the cult of uh, a Christmas story. Um, I feel like this will get us a decent amount of hate from people our age, younger and older. I know that T- TBS used to play it 24 hours yeah. on Christmas Christmas Day. So everybody's been indoctrinated into this movie. But for that movie of all movies to kind of break out and be almost America's Christmas movie since uh, since It's a Wonderful Life is kind of crazy to me. I'm sure people like Emily Vanderwerf who are like Christmas, you know, savants would say it's total fucking garbage. But that's all right. So that's Bob Clark's best movie. The thing about Bob Clark that's interesting to me is I read about him a little bit because, you know, Porky's in a Christmas story is a legacy. Uh, He seems to be beloved. Like he seems to have been a beloved person, the kind of person that a Christopher Lloyd and Kathleen Turner and Peter McNichol and all these people wanted to work with. Uh, he also died really tragically. He died, I believe he was hit by a drunk driver when he was like only 67. So it's like uh, he, he, he occupies this kind of weird space where he made these disgusting movies that had no heart and pretended like they had heart. But in real life, I think he was a real like, kind of lovable guy. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think that A Christmas Story, again, I've, I've only seen clips, but I haven't seen the whole film. Um, but, you know, it, it does have sort of a Norman Rockwellian kind of quality to it that I think people gravitate towards. Um, you know, Porky's is, I mean, Porky's was pretty groundbreaking when you think about it at the time. I mean, it, it, it for, putting aside its questionable comedy, I think just in general, it was a low budget kind of lowbrow comedy out of out of Canada um, that did incredibly well. I mean, it spawned, it spawned many sequels and and really kind of, you know, it there's a there's there there is a national lampoony quality to Porky's. Um, when I I don't know how you when I was a that. kid, I was like a I was like a box office obsessive, and I pretty much could run down the list of the top fifty box office movies of all time. They're all they were all your obvious contenders your mm-hmm. Raiders of the Lost Arks and the Star Wars movies and E.T. and uh, etc. Um, and then there was Porky's this random movie from the, <laughs> random movie from mm-hmm. the 70s that made a hundred million dollars yeah. uh, and then you watch it because it's a, I guess I gotta watch it uh, and it's basically just a giant racist sexist uh, let's let's spy on the girls in the bathroom type movie yeah. and you really question what's what's happening in Canada Although I did find the uh, the peephole bathtub scene in Baby Geniuses very reminiscent of the uh, one true. from Porky's. It seemed unnecessary for him to replicate his most famous scene ever. Yeah. But Porky's, just to uh, stick with that, that if you think about it, the success of that movie was 100% based on the nudity. Uh, more than anything else, that it was a rite of passage film. It was no, it was one of those ones that if you saw, you had bragging rights that you saw it. Yeah, and then people want it. It was it, it lived on the hype. That movie was a lot of sizzle and not a lot of steak. And uh, and Baby Geniuses was no no sizzle and no steak. So uh, you kind of had you kind of had a completely different thing. The director and uh, you guys are much more versed in the history of film and, and the actual benefits of it. Um, is a guy that I'm sure in his legacy, where do you believe baby genius ranks? Uh, is baby genius, uh, in his, in his, I mean, does he want that mentioned at, uh, on his tombstone with the others or no? Very I mean, good I, question. I'll say this, this movie's kind of notorious. Like I, I, I it, it kind of, it, it's, and probably not in the best ways, but it does feel like it's the movie that, you know, when I posted on Twitter that I was watching it, you know, a bunch of people were like, 
fuck like this is okay i mean you're you're it's it's notorious in the sense of it being uh horrible and weird it, it exists in a weird space that by the end of the film i did find myself saying i'm glad i finally watched this because it does feel like a movie that i perhaps should have seen i guess but it it i don't i don't know how to explain how it made me feel <laughs> Mm. But it made me feel very uncomfortable. But it also made me sort of think like, yeah, I mean, maybe a kid would find it funny. I really don't know. I really don't know. If you're helping to either. teach your kid violence, I mean, if it, that's the other thing is if you want your kid to do more punching, uh, this would be a good, I guess, a good gateway film to get, get started in. Well, you try to think about how this movie even like got here because – you know, this, this isn't this isn't being John Malkovich that kind of is is you know sui generis. Like the, yep. this is this is this is the the confluence of of kind of two weird weird rivers that kind of ran together. On one side, you have the look who's talking, baby baby's day out. These movies that are explicitly about babies, baby main characters trying to make it, trying to make it through that, you know, book who's talking is a classic and did incredibly well. And then there are, you know, baby's day out did well. And it's not the craziest idea to make a movie about a baby and to take it a step further. On the other hand, you have these kids prep kids, you know, perpetrating violence against adults movies. Home alone. Again, obviously a classic, but then you got uh, kind of kind of more water down and more water down. Some movies that we're not mentioning that remind me of this a lot. Blank Check ends in his own you know theme park in his backyard, yeah. where he beats the shit out of a bunch of adults. And the one that really feels like they 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 stole the, they stole from are the Three Ninjas movies. Three Ninjas movies about three mm-hmm. little brothers who just beat the shit out of adults um, all the time. And and I believe there was one that did end at a at a at a theme park as well. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're taking these two. These, these two strains that have already been kind of watered down and perverted to the most disgusting points, like missing everything that Home Alone had going for it and everything that Look Who's Talking had going for it, and just thinking the fun part is, you know, the violence and the, the, um, the, the oddness of a baby kind of expressing their thoughts and c- coming together in this way. And then on top of it, adding this absolutely bizarre plot. Now, in, in, some, in some ways... I really did want this movie to be like The Room, uh, which, you know, I, I think I sure. ran Phil, sure. Phil about a couple of nights ago that I think is, a you know, a masterpiece. I really do genuinely think it's a masterpiece because there's nothing else like it. It's insanely watchable. Uh, every every decision in that movie is totally bizarre to me and no one else would have made those decisions. Uh, and I, and, and I, I really, truly love that film. This movie doesn't. It's crazy to say it doesn't go far enough. It could have been Gonzo. It could have been to- it could have been totally off the wall, uh, less yeah. less grounded in reality. The Tibetan monk th- thing is insane to me because mm. some exec was like, uh, well, "Let's ground this a little bit more in reality." No, you're you are so fucking far afield at this point. You have babies doing Taekwondo. Go nuts, baby president, baby astronaut, baby, baby riding the fucking well, A bomb like Slim Pickens in in in, in Doctor Strangelove. There, there's there's crazier, crazier shit we can do that doesn't end with these two twins hugging and and Kim Cattrall saying, you know, the the real heaven on earth is this family. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll say this. Come um, on, a, a couple things come to mind. Come as you on, say I I agree with you a hundred percent that they that they didn't necessarily go far enough with it to some degree. I do feel like 
Um, there's a little bit of a, of, of a sense of a production hamstrings going on a little bit. You know, the technology being what it is, this movie must have been an enormous fucking pain in the ass to make. Like, I can't even imagine what it was like trying to get these five, six-year-old kids under, you know, obviously under the various sort of laws of the hours you can work with them. And just then the, also just the, to... the, the pinworm medication alone uh, would have put this way over budget. <laughs> <I would> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. But like it, it's it's just the idea of getting them to hit their marks, getting them to do what you need them to do. I mean, it does feel like an unmitigated disaster to make this thing. So I do feel like you do get senses where they're like, we got to box this thing into certain locations and certain things in order to keep this thing relatively producible. But then, Kenny, I'm, as I'm sure you know and have probably seen the various other baby genius sequels and things that have spawned sure, of off of this. Yeah. Um, you know, you have baby geniuses in the mystery of the crown jewels. You have baby geniuses in the treasures of Egypt and baby geniuses and the space baby. Um, yeah, it, sounds mean, it sounds like it gets progressively better and better. Yeah. You've got baby squad investigators where they pursue big baby. Um, and then obviously international thief Moriarty played by John Voigt. So like right. it, they really go for this it. This sounds very good. These sound, it sounds like it, it sounds like it got, got on the rails and it got good. Like everyone knows that the best leprechaun is leprechaun in space. Yes. Right? 100%. Or yeah. leprechaun in the hood. But you, you do get better and better with the leprechaun yes. movies, for instance, as it gets crazier and crazier and crazier. Yeah. And lepre, I mean, this is, you know, this is like a, this is like an non-horror version of leprechaun, right? More or less. More I mean, less. this is pretty horrific like, in its own it's, way. Yeah, it's a creepier version of Leprechaun because I think Leprechaun <laughs> is far less creepy than Sly. And uh, and you guys are failing to mention uh, – I mean, you've mentioned a lot of the reasons why this is a difficult tone to kind of even grasp and how it's hard to commit to it. But at the end of the film, there's a strange, almost like a baby death montage that happens. And yes. I don't know if they're trying <laughs> at that point to tug yeah. at the heartstrings of everyone and be like – Ah, babies, aren't they the best? It seems unnecessary and weird that they've just do this, what would be almost like an in-memoriam at the Academy Awards, but with all of the babies that were in the, the film uh, in a very strange and, and kind of out of left field sort of way. It's like a yeah. montage. Yeah. It's like, a, it's like when you play Now and Forever over uh, the last final songs or, you know, you do the Glory Days part, then you do the Now and Forever part. And, uh, and then you do like the, you know, we are family part when you have all the family. It was like that. And but it, they don't it, grow up. That's the, it, that's the one thing. No, they they stay up. at that age. It's a, it's a strange, almost like they all have some sort of, almost like the corporation won in the end and they are staying babies, genius babies forever. You know why well, you, know you do it at a bar mitzvah? You do it at a bar mitzvah. So all 13 year olds are assholes. And they, most 13-year-olds uh, hate every other 13-year-old or are jealous or just want them to suck or fail or have a bad bar mitzvah. So you do it at the bar mitzvah so all these people remember they were babies too once and they come from somewhere. And you can't hate somebody who, you know, once put on a clown outfit and looked mm -hmm. like an idiot. Uh, so they're doing that for the same reason. They're like, all right, we just put together this, this hor horrifying movie. But it's all – look at all these cute babies. You got to walk out if you're feeling good about yourself because – and I got to be honest. When Sly and, 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 and not Sly, Wit hugged, ah, you know, as the father of twins, I was just like, ah, these are little babies. Yeah. 
I I envision it, it, two things went through my mind as I was as the montage was playing. The first was that they were trying to be like, "What a journey we've been on, guys! Like, yeah. look at this. What wasn't this fun? Yeah, yeah." Wasn't and then fun. the second part is that a piece of these babies is dying because they're crossing. Over. <laughs> 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 so, You're right, Phil. That's what it is. It is a piece of the babies are dying. <laughs> So that's kind of how I thought about it. Um, I'm going to give a brief synopsis for the people that thankfully probably haven't seen this film. Uh, the baby co-firm World Leaders in Infant Care Products has discovered that prior to the age of two and through baby talk, infants can communicate in a highly sophisticated manner. The scientists have a lot to deal with when one toddler escapes from the lab to unite the babies from the outside world. This film was written by five people. Uh, shockingly so. Uh, Stephen Paul, Francisca wow. Mata, Robert Grasmere, Bob Clark, and Greg Michael. It was directed by Bob Clark, as we discussed. Baby Geniuses opened on March 12th, 1999, in 7th place with $1.3 million. Behind Analyze This, Cruel Intentions, The Rage, Carrie 2, The Corrupter, and Wing Commander, uh, it would go on to make $36 million on a $12 million budget. Wow. Wow. Uh, wow. Roger Ebert. Uh, the legs on that movie started with $1.3 and made 36 just insane. That's insane. That's a word of mouth stuff right there. That's you know, that's Titanic. Well, is it is it possible that this film also had a little bit of like people getting high and going to see it? Is that possible? It's possible. I don't know. It's or possible. or or, it's, or people pranking their friends. I mean it must have been <laughs> it must have been that. I, I think it had a little bit of that to it. You know, uh, oh, have you not seen Baby G? Oh, you got to go right away. It's amazing. They call out for you F and asshole. You know, I think that's it. <laughs> uh, so Roger Ebert gave the film one and a half stars and said, bad films are easy to make, but a film as unpleasant as Baby Geniuses achieves a kind of grandeur. It proves something I've long suspected. Babies are cute only when they're being babies. When they're presented as miniature adults or greeting cards in TV commercials or especially in this movie, there is something so fundamentally wrong that our human instincts cry out in protest i think that's a fair assessment of it and he also you know he also considered this the worst film of 1999 which always made me kind of intrigued to do this it's been very high on my list of movies we have to do um that's the end of that story but you know i think i think he might be i think he might be right i think it is one of the five or six worst films we've done I agree that it's definitely. I don't want to. I would. I would say that it's the. Sorry, go ahead. Go please. Go. No, 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 no. I, I just want to say that uh, not to change all, all of our opinions, but if we look at it more meta overall right now, is it possible that what they're trying to do is say that in in actuality, babies when they don't know about the troubles of the actual world, kind of do have this almost. Um, ability to only see life as it is without putting any sort of additional uh uh you know uh, uh bias on it and then at the age of two when actually the crossing over does in some ways happen you know kids start getting a little bit more vocal that there is potentially this sort of uh, it's more of an innocence than a genius but maybe that that is what they are playing on and that is kind of how they, they, they tried to capture it in this world when babies only know baby world. They don't know anything else to be scared of. They don't know fear. They don't know any of that. That, that really is a, a baby as pure as a baby gets, and they've just turned innocence into genius. Thank you. You, know, it, you would have done a great job. Well, no, I mean, I, I not not to not to give this movie any credence because I don't really think it deserves it. But I do think that what you're what you're speaking of, Kevin, circles something that did occur to me 
I don't know, two thirds of the way through the film when I think it's Carrie, uh, Peter McNichol's daughter, takes his face, like takes his his uh, face in her hands and is like, basically like embrace your inner <laughs> child, tap into your inner child and you'll be able to understand what I'm saying, um, which is, you know, a, a relatively highfalutin idea for a movie this fucking stupid. But like it does <laughs> try to sort of... To, <laughs> To do something there, like it—it's it, not that that like there isn't any somewhat intelligent notions coursing through this film. It's just they're, they, you know, they, they don't really kind of dedicate themselves to it, and 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 obviously, like that idea that like if you're able to sort of what you're what you're saying, Kevin, which is that as you get older, you get jaded, and 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 the world becomes a sort of a darker place, and prior to us being sort of imprinted by the world, there is a freedom to that to some degree. Um, and mm-hmm. if we could tap into that, you know, more often we might be better people for it. There's something there, I guess, but you know, there's, there's a lot there. I think you, I think that's, that's kind of a lovely notion that you, uh, that you posited. Um, I don't think that that's present in this movie, but Not at I, all. Think, <laughs> I think it is present in another movie that I just watched. Have you guys seen Dick Johnson is dead? Do you know Not what yet. I'm talking about? No. It's I've heard movie. about it. I haven't watched it yet. It's, it's a documentary about a guy. Uh, it, it's a documentarian's father is stricken with Alzheimer's. And she's kind of taping him as he's deteriorating. And uh, they, are enact, they, they are enacting his death over and over and over. So he they drop, a, they, they drop an air conditioner on his head or he gets slashed in the throat and he gets to enact his death. And I think a lot of the the feeling of that movie is, or at least what I got from it, was it's very important to live in the moment. Yep. And this guy was a psychiatrist and he basically kept saying, you know, I'm good at living in the here and now. I'm good at living in the here and now. And I think memory is, honestly, I, I think memory is a bit of a curse anyway. I think it's a waste of our time. Um, so certainly nostalgia is a curse and memory, I, I think, is a bit of a waste of our time. And I think that is, is what I like about the notion of being a baby forever. The inability <laughs> to make memories, not being cursed by memory, not having anything, you know, not, not really having any, anything um, to do except eat and sleep and poop and just kind of be and be taken care of. That's, that's the world I would be comfortable in forever and ever. That's me tapping into my... That's me tapping into my inner baby. I don't, I don't know what I don't know what that is, but sure. I mean, that's existing on some level, but I'm not sure that that you're that you're engaging with the world around you if you're just a blob that shits. Oh, what? Sleeps. So what? Who needs the world around? What have you ever got from the world around you? Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't know how existential we should get with baby geniuses, but I do think that that there's something um, very sort of. Uh, I keep thinking about the fact that there were five writers on this movie and the fact that that I imagine each of them had their own version of what this and, – and I think that that's why this movie feels so scattershot. It's why this movie is tonally kind of all over the place. I just don't think that, that there's sort of a cohesion behind like what – forget about like what they want to say, how they want us to feel. I mean you guys talk about like – not to jump around but like whatever about the plot of this fucking movie. But like the end of the film, those fucking – that giant baby robot is is the stuff of nightmares. Mm-hmm. I mean it's just – I know they think it's fun, like, oh, the baby's going to control these giant robots at this theme park sort of thing. But, like, the theme – it's at night. It's dark. The theme park is is basically not really a theme park. It's just sort of a 
It's it's Westworld. It's a Westworld. Theme yeah, it's, park. it is. It's totally everything. Is, the 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 concept of this theme park is everything's going to be robots. So you have a robot Santa. You have robot elves. You have robot animals. You have a robot baby who's eight feet tall. All of these robots are also capable of incredible, you know, feats of violence perpetrated yep. against. I guess you know who that guy was. It was it was it was. Um, it was the dad from – it was Neil's dad from uh, Freaks and Geeks, Mr. Yes, Slider, yes, yes, yes. And his other henchman is Jim Hanks, who's Tom Hanks' brother. Those are the guys oh, who are getting their ass kicked in this movie by babies. It's, it's, it's insane. I just keep thinking I mean, about Jim Hanks. I keep thinking about Jim Hanks, this guy getting a, move, getting a role in a major studio film and telling his parents and his brother Tom about it. And then having them watch it and having it be a two percent on Rotten Tomatoes at Ebert's worst <laughs> film of the year. But like you said, I, Kenny, and you said it so well, you wanted this movie to go further, and I think that you can't go further than being the worst film of nineteen ninety nine. Like in some ways, if it had been the fifth worst film of the of the of the year, it wouldn't have been. You know, it kind of did get the glory that maybe it was after, uh, and 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 in all of the, you know, uh, musing about about what they could have done differently, what they should have done differently, which is probably everything. I think that we can all agree that any good action comedy, which I guess is what this would fall into the category of, ends with two middle-aged women in pantsuits hanging from a uh, helicopter. Uh, and, and, I think, <laughs> and I think that they delivered uh, on that front as well. You know, you said earlier, you made a very smart uh, point that you hated the baby. And I think that the goal in any film is you root for the good guys, you root against the bad guys. I found myself oftentimes in this movie rooting for the uh, the bad people i wanted yeah. the, the babies injured i was ne- i was yeah. i found myself judging my own self as a person going when this baby is punching these adults i wish the adults would kick the baby back you actually don't get any adult <laughs> yeah, there's, on no baby. Against there's no the there's no violence against children on this and i yeah. and i feel like there probably was and they've cut it out i have a feeling that yeah. was shot and cut out and it made it Oh, they made a ridiculous to grasp concept even more ridiculous to grasp, uh, especially with the fight scenes. I, I would have had about two thirds of the way into the movie one uppercut on a baby. Yes. Oh, yes. You I would have had one uppercut from Tom Hanks's brother to a baby, knocking that baby out cold. And then having all the other babies come over, like in Galaxy Quest. No, 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 not, not Galaxy Quest. Having all the other babies come over. And having this baby knocked out cold on the ground, and then you really get the gravity of the situation. Yes. These babies want to play in the big leagues. You can get knocked out cold, and then I think I know where I'm going with this. I'm not being serious, Phil. But <laughs> no, I'm. I'm. I, but I, I. I'm about to. I. I. I guess what I. So last night I, I watched. I, I, I'm, I'm not being serious, but I'm not being completely. No, I know, I know, I know, and that's why like, it would have been I, crazy. Well, here's the thing. I watched Top Secret for the first time last night, which I had never seen before. The the um, the Val Kilmer, um, right. you know, the guys did airplane, and you know, I think it's I, I think it's it was a very funny movie, and and I think that that their movies exist, the good ones anyway, exist in a in rarefied air of of that sort of level of comedy. I think that the the most damning thing I can say about this film is that they try too hard to ground it. It's what you were saying, Kenny. They needed to go bigger and farther and more cartoonish and more insane so that 
again, I'm not I'm not saying anyone should be violent towards children in real life, but within the context of this film, there's a part of me that felt like they needed to be so much more insane with it. Like Kenny, we talked we talk about the, the bad movies we've watched this year. Um, three come to mind. This movie, Simon Says, and Love Stings. Simon Says is the best. What Kevin was talking about? 100%. Yeah. Simon Says is the best uh, example of that. Where Simon I Says is totally fucking insane, but so much fun and so weird. And like we had a great time talking about it. We rehashed all the wonderful, insane, ludicrous jokes in that movie. Say, Kevin, if you don't know, Simon says is the is the Dennis Rodman Dan Cook vehicle. Oh, of course, yes, yes. Um, but yeah, this is I, I I agree. I think like what you're talking about with the the Zuckers and the Abram mm-hmm. Zucker movies. Um, you could I watched Airplane with my kids several times. I actually really like it. Women are punched in that movie. There, there's the scene with the River of Jordan where the the girl is has the uh, a has the IV and that gets knocked out the whole movie and she nearly dies. There, you can you in top secret you could absolutely punch an old lady. Mm-hmm. You could in a movie like this you could punch a baby if you went all the way. Now I I know that I sound crazy. I'm talking about punching babies, but what what I'm getting at is within the context of this movie, within the four walls of this movie, yeah. everything. Everything makes sense in terms of the physics of it. And yep. that I think is the problem with this movie. I agree. Like they're 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 search it's it's almost as though they're like, you know, listen, the babies are talking in this movie. That's our one buy-in. So everything else has to be grounded in reality. And you're just like, no. Like it, it goes against to yeah. your point, all bets are off. If babies are talking, all bets are off, and just swing for the fucking fences. Well, it was and like instead- they they wanted to show the genius of the babies. They could recreate the pyramids, but they did it with Legos. They they had yeah. they had to show that they're still babies. Like and that and that's yeah. where so you're right. you're you're making the point where it's like, all right, let's go ahead and feed up this really unbelievable to grasp concept, but then let's still give them the stuff that they get. So instead of them, you know, charting out the pyramids or doing them on blueprints, or let's go ahead and give them Legos. Uh, it, it was yep. which was preposterous. Your 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 point to take it a step further. The part of the reason Home Alone kicks so much ass yep. is because he lays out that blueprint of everything mm-hmm. he's gonna do to foil these guys with shit he finds around around his house. So now we know Kevin McAllister is a uniquely talented individual when it comes to hilarious pratfalls played upon two older people. All these kids do, all these idiot babies do is take control of the stuff that's already been built. What would have been fun to your point, Kevin, is if they is if they did build something else or have a different plan that wasn't just I'm going to run away as fast as I can. Right. Which it seems like was Sly's plan. Like I think his plan was I'm going to run away as fast as I can and I'm pretty fast for a baby. Yeah, but you forgot also, about you forgot about him freezing by the fountain, uh, where he tried to blend in with the fountain, which, <laughs> yeah. which um, all, you know, which is funny because if you think about, it, these are supposed to be genius babies, and and his big plan when when escaping the bad guys is he poses by a water a fountain of children, bronze bronze children, and he just stands very st- very still with his hands in the air, which was how I think I believe that was one of the uh, first scenes of the film. So yeah. you're supposed to get the idea right away. These kids are smart. And it is maybe the dumbest uh, hiding place you could ever do. He doesn't pose. fool the guy for a second. Not, no, no. <laughs> he doesn't even fool henchmen. 
<laughs> there's also, I mean, that that's a, obviously a very good point, but also like proves like there's no end game for Sly. He's so fucking smart. He what what, what? he's going to escape <laughs> and then what? Right. Like, the, what's your fucking reason, goal? Like, and and the reason we're taking him seriously as a protagonist is because yeah. the movie demands you take him seriously. He keeps right? telling us to. He literally yeah. keeps telling the audience like I'm the fucking man. I'm so smart. Hardest baby. All these other babies are idiots with no balls. Yeah. I'm the only one with balls. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to ellipses, ellipses, ellipses. So <laughs> I, I do think that I, I've been, I'm really talking myself into the idea that the three of us could have made a great version of this movie. A hundred percent. At least a better version slightly, which I don't think is setting the bar too high. Uh, the, no. the other point that I just uh, want to bring up because I, neither of you have mentioned it yet, and I think it's the one thing that maybe st- – lets this movie stand out from almost any other movie ever. They have a lot of one-liners that are thrown in by um, not even characters in the film. There's a lot like like uh, passers-by. They, they, they keep these little one-liners like, ah, was that a baby smoking a cigar? And these lines that would be... <laughs> It would normally be edited out, and you can tell that they threw them in after the fact, and I can't exactly figure out why, as if we wouldn't grasp the absurdity of it enough that they needed to have uh, the one-liner of the person at the mall. But it was a lot of these these clearly edited-in one-line reactions, and oftentimes they were like attempting to be funny as well, which I found yep. the unfunniness of them to actually be one of the redeeming qualities of this film. Yeah, I, you know, it's... <laughs> the jokes are the jokes are fucking painful like it's i mean part of it too is that it's a movie for kids like for young kids so you have to kind of you got to give it a fair amount of rope that it's not aimed at us what so age do you think it is i mean really i know we said in the beginning and i totally believe it i like totally seven it. telling you my kids would have just thrown up on this on the floor yeah but your kids are your kids are smart like baby geniuses kenny's kids are baby geniuses we walked out we walked out of cats they they don't have time for this uncanny valley shit well but cats is i mean listen we're not going to go down the cats road because there's i mean there there's there's there are arguments for or against cats but what is better cats I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I think Cats is better than this I think Cats is better too. I agree. Yeah. Um, I mean, but again, like, what, what are we, what are we talking about? Two poison pills here. It's not, it's not really, but, but I do think that, you know, part of it is, Part of the, the that annoyed me about this film was was ultimately how convoluted it was. Like 
why did we need the twins? Why did we need the swap twins? Like, you didn't need it at all. It just made everything more complicated. It just made you go, well, which one is this? Is this fucking Sly or is this Wit? And, like, I just... That type of stuff... They needed... I can tell you why they needed the twins in, in plot, because... Apparently, one study done with one set of twins was going to conclusively prove that the kinder method was better than just being a child with Kim Cattrall and Peter McNichol. That was why Sly was so important to this study. He was the he was the definitive proof that if you're with Dr. Kinder, you are you're better than if you're just a baby in the wild, which, by the way, he is. He, he is clearly the best baby when it comes to, like, our normal metrics of success in life. Sure, so sure. so she, she's, she's got something going for her. And can we talk about what a, just a terrible mother Kim Cattrall is? I mean, even just <gasps> just there's a scene where the, where the twins get swapped at the mall and they're mm-hmm. in completely different outfits. Oh, and I she, love this. And, she, and they're, they get, they're in a jungle gym in the middle of the mall. She grabs the wrong twin and she has – and she says this line, I thought you were in overalls this morning. That's weird. And then just moves on. It is, <laughs> it is, it is such a crazy – like every time I think of another hard to believe part of the movie, I think of something else. I go, you know what? That's the new hardest to believe part of the That's film. That's hardest part of the film. Well, she's. I mean, and and I I don't want this to sound terrible, so I'll. But I she is one of the least maternal mothers we've seen on screen in a while. Like Kim Cattrall at one point said because uh, she talks about how. They had. They were trying to have a baby. Then they couldn't have babies. Then they could. And Carrie was their ma- their miracle baby. And she complains about pregnancy. She complains about these things. Like by the way, like I I don't think pregnancy sounds fun either. But there's there's a lot in this character of just feeling encumbered by children she doesn't really want in her life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you, I I not to just disagree disagree. I thought she was kind of sweet, to be honest. Like I didn't, I, I didn't know Kim Cattrall. Had, I thought she for I, I. This is Samantha Jones we're talking about, right? Like like forty year old sex pot. So that's what she. She's like, literally I, Samantha as they're shooting this. Right, right. So she's been, she's been, and now she's in this show that just got canceled where she's like sixty year old sex pot. So she's yeah, just yeah. been a sex like 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 the most sexual of women. Um, like, like kind of the archetype for cougars for the last 22 years, that it is hard to remember that there was a period of time when Kim Cattrall was kind of playing the sweet girlfriend. And this is almost that last role where, where she is, had she gone in a different direction, she could have been playing roles like this um, forever. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. didn't hate her in this. I also like, Oh, she I didn't hate her. Kathleen. I hated the character. I like that. You were to punch Kathleen Turner at the end. She had her thumb in her wrist. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so she just break in, her thumb. In her face, we break your thumb if you punch that way. It tells me she's never actually thrown a punch in real life or as a character, which I like about her too. <laughs> I mean, listen, I don't, I don't hate Kim Cattrall. She was one of my mannequin, one of my first crushes yeah. as a child. That's great. I, I, you know, and 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 she's Canadian for what that's worth too. So there's that. But I, I, I didn't hate her in this movie. I just felt like. The role was written weirdly. To your point, Kevin, you'd recognize that your child had changed clothes. Like mm-hmm. we're, we're, you're really setting your character down the river sure. when 
something like that happens. You know, I understand that the likelihood that both these kids are wearing the same clothes at the same time, it, you know, whatever. So they had to do it, but sh- just bad, bad mom stuff. If you that guys, ha- been- if you if you had to pick a favorite, uh, I mean, if you had to pick one character from this movie that you enjoyed. It, could uh, you do it? I mean, because, you know, you could say the actor, oh, Christopher Lloyd is the best, right? But uh, in this terrible, terrible in, in this one. Yeah. So I, I just I'm curious as to if you had to pick one, was there one that stood out as one redeeming character in the entire movie? I mean, movie? I think that Peter McNichols character, Dan, is like the least ob- the least objectively terrible character. He's kind of a doofus, but like. Yeah, because you do get also, like he's a real human being who thinks that babies talk baby language, and he's devoted his career to it. Listen, I didn't say he was a smart man. <laughs> I was told if I liked him or not. Um, I, I was asked if I liked him or not. I think he's likable enough um, in a kind of like doofus, kind of dumb way. I mean, here's the other thing that has to be said, which is that this film feels like you know, first take across the board. Like you're, you're, you're only getting a couple takes from these actors. Yeah. My guess is you only got a couple days at a uh, Kathleen Turner and, and Chris Lloyd. I mean, Chris Lloyd's barely in this. I mean, he's probably in what, like, so, weird. so, you know, my, my guess is that a lot of this was like, Bob Clark's a nice guy. I'm going to do him a favor. Um, but like Peter McNichol and Kim Cattrall are basically undirected. It feels like in this movie, like they're just sort of like, I guess I got to say these lines. What's my mark. So it's it's a little bit of a it's a shit show no matter what. Well, it's a thankless performance. I'll, I'll throw my ring in. I'll throw my yeah. hat in the ring for. Uh, I I do think, and this is going to sound crazy, but I do think that the relationship between Wit and Carrie was sweet. And I do, I, I agree. I agree. I I do think that they seemed like I mean you know they're they're adopted siblings, and I do think they seemed like same age adopted siblings who genuinely cared about each other. Um, I don't know how else to put it, but I think, I I think it's funny because, you know, you you only have that relationship because you're contrasting them from the baby geniuses who are all kind of mean to each other Um, or at least Sly is mean to all of them. But the, the heart of this movie, if there is a heart is with those two characters and control and and Peter McGinnigal and this weird situation, I mean, the people in this movie, Dom DeLuise and, and, uh, and Ruby D and, and the, yeah. the Kyle Howard character called yeah. himself Ice Pick I, yeah. I, in an effort to get fired. There are easy, I promise you, Kyle Howard, there are easier ways to get fired from a, from a nursery if you, if you want to. Yeah. Dom DeLuise, this was his last He's theatrically released film around. too. Like this is, this is one of Dom this DeLuise's last performance. Um, yeah. Dom DeLuise is sweet in this movie. I I, I thought he was, I, you know, he, again, like playing kind of what he played through most of his career. But you know. He and Ruby D share a lip on lip kiss early in this movie. Mm. And I don't believe they were playing romantic interests. I, my, my theory is Dom DeLuise and Ruby D are just really good friends in real life. And that's how they greet each other at all times. Wow. I agree. Interesting theory. It felt, it, it felt genuine. It felt. It just felt like 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 two people from that generation who have been seeing each other at you know Spago for the last thirty years, and that's just how they say hi. Yeah. 
this I I I do have to say like Kim Cattrall who has been who was in four other Bob Clark movies including Porky's and a movie called Tribute and a movie called Turk 182 of which I have not seen they clearly I I think that Porky's was her first film if I'm not mistaken um so he sort of you know uh made her famous so you know whatever um there 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 does seem to be a weird vibe from the adult actors that they might be having a good time making this movie, if that makes any sense, even if they don't think it's very good. Did you get that impression or am I just – do you think I'm just uh, hallucinating? I got the impression that everyone was miserable filming this thing <laughs> uh, as as they should fair, have fair been. Fair point, it, it, fair it did seem like uh, – really, even the children didn't seem like they were having fun. I mean that was the other part. Yeah. It seemed uh, across the board – uh, you know, you talk about the Dom DeLuise kiss. That may have been the most, the only thing that actually felt genuine in the whole uh, movie. And it happened, I think, like 20 minutes in. Yeah, it was pretty early. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, I, I agree. I, I did have a twin question for you, Kenny. Um, oh, because uh, because there, you know, there, there are twins in this. Um, do your twins have a telepathic bond like these twins? Or is that just uh, a pre-crossover yeah. thing? They do. They have a telepathic bond. Okay, cool. cool. Yes, yeah, they they talk to each other. I think uh, Kevin, you could attest to that, right? Yeah, they uh, they clearly can finish each other's uh, sentences, and uh, I think there is some sort of. Uh, it's one of the interesting, unscientifically proven theories that this film asks us to also swallow: is that well, when one thing <laughs> happens, to, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's just it, that one was like almost uh, with, with all the other absurdities. That one I was just going, all right, I'll accept that one, you know. <laughs> Yeah, they, they had a real Luke and Leia thing going on. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and you and you, I didn't even think twice. Actually, nope. Uh, just like yeah, oh, they're twins. That's what happens. But I can attest that that is not actually what happens, as far as I can tell. My kids also never had a language. Um, you know, they say twins do, and I've heard other twins do. They never did. So uh, you know, Kevin's known them longer than anybody. Because yeah. Kevin was my next door neighbor when they were born, and Kevin is their godfather. I met him so, at the hospital, and they, yeah. they always they always seem smarter than uh, than they should have been for their age. I'll put it that way. Uh, and, and they all and they still to this day. I mean, their intelligence. In fact, I really think the part two of this podcast, if you guys would be uh, not opposed to it, would be getting genuine. You know, in my opinion, genius. You know, baby oh, genius. Oh, oh, go uh, on to to give their actual thoughts on the movie because maybe there yeah. are parts of it that we, as jaded thirty uh, somethings, forty somethings, cannot actually appreciate. That maybe they they can, and and I think that as a as a as a unnecessary sequel. Uh, I think that could be a, that could be a great part. Two I mean, I wasn't kidding, Kenny, when I asked what they thought of this film. Like, I genuinely I would be know. curious. I usually do watch the kids' movies with them. Yeah. But, um, I swear to God, I was embarrassed. I mean, you know, <laughs> Layla's so high status and she bullies me around so much that, <laughs> that I, I, I could not watch this movie with her. And Rollins is the other way where he would be like, oh, yeah, yeah, Dad, this is a great movie. Like, I, it, this is a cool movie for you to, to be watching, Dad. And he would literally, oh. he would pat me on the head. And he would like rub my back and say, Dad, I'm so, I'm so proud of you for doing this podcast on this movie. Yeah. Um, well, uh, my wife, I, I was watching this uh, by myself and she was hearing parts of it. And uh, her quote, which was not used on the poster for this movie, but should have been because she walked in and she said, what the fuck is this weird thing you're watching? 
And I think <laughs> that right there may be yeah. the quote that goes on the poster for baby geniuses because it really does feel like what the fuck is this weird thing you're watching? Well, it's. Yeah. It, I will say that there's there's moments. My roommate uh, walked in while I was watching it at one point, and and she was also sort of confounded and and you know slightly horrified as well. But you, it, it just it feels like it feels like an experiment gone awry. I mean, it really just feels like this sort of like technological thing where they're like, well, we can do this. Let's give it a shot. And, yeah. you know, the hope, and I, I would also, I don't want to say that the effects are, are absolutely fucking atrocious. There's, there's a fair amount of the baby effects that aren't terrible. Like the mouth effects that look halfway decent from time to time, but it's just sort of, they're stretching it past its past its point of 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 no return unfortunately it it it, it definitely um it goes too far uh so much so that you if you were to send a scene of this film to somebody they they i don't think they know what to make of it like you really just by the end of it it's really kind of pummeled you into submission by the end there was the fake movie in one of the wayans brothers movies called mm-hmm. oh no that's a real movie it's called baby man Baby Man was a real movie. Yeah. Uh, and, but the fake movie was in Funny People, where Adam Sandler played a baby. That was like, I forgot what that movie was called. It seems like a fake movie that would be in a real movie about how stupid Hollywood is. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, except it went on for one hour and 34 minutes. And has five, five fucking five sequels. sequels. And it was produced I mean, by John Voight, which is kind of funny, too. I love the idea that John Voight, who, you know, this is this is 20 years ago, John Voight. This is still like a well-regarded John Voight. I like the idea that he cashed in his capital on the Baby Geniuses series. And I mean, some money. I, it's. Yeah. I, I you know, yeah. it, there's a part of me, too, that that because I was I was just kind of looking at the plot here, just thinking, like, are there things that. And and the the plot of the film is we've, we've essentially sort of conveyed it in terms of like what the general gist of it is, but um, it, it's it's odd how long it takes for the swap to happen. It's really about forty forty five minutes before the twin swap, which if you ask me should have happened sooner in the film. Yeah. You really have to slog through about a half hour of, of or so before Sly escapes. So it's really just like. It's poorly paced. They they don't really dole out the plot in a way that makes any sense. <laughs> but then I also keep coming back to the production issues. And I keep thinking that this movie was hamstrung by a bunch of different things. And thus, they were told, like, you got to do this for the first amount of time. And we can only wait this long before we can do this. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. We'll never know. But... That's sort of where my head's at. It does prove the interesting point, and, and, and Hollywood has done this successfully for years, that a, a trench coat and a, a Dick Tracy hat gets you, any, gets you in anywhere, which is just such an interesting, like, you know, they've stuck to some of the stereotypes that we've seen over and over and over again, and um, and it proves that even a baby in a trench coat, even if it's six, uh, the trench coat is ill-fitting, people just look the other yep. way. You'll, you'll, you're good. You're good. Do you, well, I, Kenny? Do you think this is your your least favorite baby movie? Uh, my least favorite baby movie. Well, I haven't seen Baby Man, unfortunately. 
Yeah, this, okay. is, this, this is my least favorite baby movie I've ever seen. But I think what you're, what you're saying, Kevin, about the trend <laughs> and building on the point about how this is a parody, this, this seems like a parody movie within another movie. Yeah. There's a version of this movie that was not a Zucker-type parody, mm-hmm. but an actual kind of parody of Hollywood tropes starring a baby that could have been real, real self-aware and really funny and weird. I agree. You know, kind of in like people would be afraid to do it with a baby, which I understand, but kind of in like a Sonic way, kind of in a Sonic the Hedgehog, kind of in a way where where you could have some, you know, the, the plot of this movie is so convoluted, but it's not difficult to imagine a simple version where the twins get swapped. What is the good baby who is now in a bad situation? And Sly is a piece of shit who is now destroying this otherwise normal family. It's basically the bad jinxie cat in, uh, mm-hmm. in, in, uh, Meet the parents near the end, where he destroys the whole thing. This it didn't have the 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 the, con, the plotting of this movie didn't have to be so convoluted and 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 exhausting. It could have been simple, and they could have really had a lot of fun with the stupidity of it all. Well, it's funny as as you were talking in my head, I went to a version of this film where a few babies escape. You do a career opportunity type situation where they're all in that mall together and they're all doing whatever the fuck they want to do. Or there's even the UHF version of this where babies take over a fucking like my, the reason I bring this up is I feel as though there's that montage that was painful to fucking watch with putting on the Ritz and what have you. Hmm. If you had just made the film a, a, a sort of mishmash of different films and babies doing different commentaries on different movies. It it could have worked to your point. Like it you know didn't it could need to. Been? Yeah, it could have been Mars Attacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it I I needed Sly to have world domination fantasies. Yes, yes. and it because yes. if you're a baby, if you if you take all the babies in the world, you got to assume there's one little Hitler baby in there. Yeah. And if that baby, if that baby also has karate skills and also has technological skills and also is a charismatic baby that gets babies to follow him, you're in Hitler baby territory. And then you could do the Mars Attacks version and have him go all the way to the way. That's what I think we needed. I think well, we needed I, to, to your, to your point, way out there. Well, to your point, I, you know, you say that and my mind goes to a place of I wouldn't want to cross over if I was a baby. So if one baby's like, we shouldn't cross over, like yeah. fuck the crossover. And it's all about like bringing babies together and being like, no, 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 we're going to stick with being baby geniuses. And you have sort of this cultish like leader in Sly who's saying, no, 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 no stop the crossover. I understand that. This is, this is now kind of an interesting film. I uh, don't go. I wouldn't go that far. I, I think the one thing- <laughs> One thing we can all agree on is that uh, condom sales probably spiked after this film was released. <laughs> yeah, this is a film that really makes you hate babies, and that's saying something. Yeah, I do. I hate my baby. <laughs> I have a, I have a baby who is under two, man. So he's he's currently a baby genius. Uh, yeah. I haven't spoken to him in two days. I want nothing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. We got you. Got to tweet that, Kenny. I yeah. watched Baby Genius, and I haven't talked to my baby in two days. 
I think he actually crossed over this morning. He said, Daddy, for the first time upon seeing me. So so he's, so, he's a lost I'm, cause. I'm softened a little bit. No, he's, he's mm-hmm. now gets to be an idiot for the next 15 years, and I can bolt him however I want. Well, if only he were uh, as intelligent as the babies in the film that were giving stock tips, if you remember that at one point. Yeah. <laughs> talking about buying dividends and stuff like that. But, it, but, but once again, if they had gone all in on that premise where b- some baby was a yeah. genius when it came to the market, was making adults rich, that's an interesting yeah. film uh, that way as well. Yeah. I'd watch a Wolf of Wall Street, but with babies. I'd watch that. Me too. I think the, I think the baby the, the baby verse could have been a real great thing. Yeah. They really yeah, they, they, they more movies in the baby verse that, that that really really played on this idea of babies having universal knowledge. Yeah, you really get the impression that and I know it's crazy to say this, but that they were holding back. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think they're just uncreative. I think they went as far as they could go. <laughs> <laughs> That's, you really think that they just? Yeah, no, I, I, I have, I have, I have no hope for these people. They went with, yeah. You know, I mean, they said they said the term diaper gravy four times. A dog said it. A dog said. It. <laughs> yeah. Got about that. Yeah, they were well. They were dog subtitles, which makes me wonder one of two things: Did the baby understand the dog? Because it's yeah. two. Yeah. Are dogs geniuses? I mean, I, I'm. I mean, listen. I'm surprised they didn't just keep going. But the dog said it. I just. I. I don't know, man. It's. It's. Are you guys under a, the impression that in looking yeah. talking, yeah, the babies can understand each other? Yes. Yes. They can. Yes. Yeah. There is a little seed of this planted in there, like when they're in the play, when they're in the 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 sand. Whatever. What do you call Box, it? Sandbox? They do their Bruce Willis head voices and they're able to have a conversation. Yeah. You know, the, as you were saying that, I just I, I had sort of a flash to we're, we're obviously going to do Look Who's Talking uh, on the Patreon for 89. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But the logic of Look Who's Talking is bumpy at best so are they telepathically that part's a little bumpy yeah telepathically speaking to each other yeah that that's that's a that is a uh just ignore thing oh yeah yeah, Yeah, keep in mind this was 10 years before the technology and this one where they were able to uh digitally move the mouth so i think that just solved the problem of how do we get the mouse to move because the uh, peanut butter on the gums wasn't working <laughs> yeah, the, the Mr. I, Ed technology. I think that's what they do. I'm not kidding. I think that's what they did. I, th- I think that was taking down too many babies. Uh, uh, so I think yeah. they had to, they had to quit right. that that trick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't imagine what it was like to make Look Who's Talking either. That couldn't have been fun. Amy Hackerling well, might not have had fun making those movies. We're gonna get into that on the Patreon, which is gonna come. Yeah, yeah. But, no, I mean, the, the Patreon, the Patreon's coming your way in a few weeks, but. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. Baby movies are weird. I like Look Who's Talking, or at least I liked it the last time I saw it, which has got to be going on twenty years now. Like it's been a it's been a beat. So I'm curious as to how that holds up. But Baby's Day Out is fun, I guess. Like I'm just I'm looking at baby movies right now, and it's just like there's there's not as many of them as you'd think, and I think it's not because of the baby's point of view. Well, there's Three Men and a Baby. That's not. I don't know if that's a baby movie. Is that a baby movie? No, there's a baby in it, but it's not. 
the baby's, really a big baby, movie. baby's the, the dilemma. Yeah. Um, the there's, there's Baby Boy. That's not really a baby movie. Um, Don't me <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I, I know it. <laughs> um, Raising Arizona. Is that a baby right. movie? Million Dollar Baby. Right. The, they, Gone Girl, Gone Girl. Let's talk about Gone all other girl, movies. Girl movie. Right, it's girl uh, movie. Gone Baby Gone. But there's well, baby movies. There's, no, no, there are very few movies that have baby protagonists that uh, that aren't, I guess, I can't even think of too many animated movies. I mean, Rugrats was obviously a big series that played well, on. Well, there's the, the Boss Baby. Come on, that's a big baby movie. Oh, which I actually watched a little of yesterday, the TV show. Uh, yeah, Boss Baby is, uh, you know, Boss Baby is a good version of this, I guess, because he's a total dick, but... Um, but it works. But, it just it's but, it proves that like animation is your savior when it comes to this kind of stuff. Like animation just allows you to do anything, um, and it just would have been a better movie for it. I also think in this film, not to go on the business side of things, but as you're looking at, it, and that's why I'm shocked that it brought in 32 million. I think that they sit around and they say, who's going to watch this movie? It's going to be people with kids, but people that have babies, maybe they don't, when they get out of the house, finally, they don't want to watch other babies. They've got their babied out. So they have almost this weird who's, and this is where I keep going back to, who did they think they were making this movie for? Because I don't think it was for children and I don't think it was for, so I think you're right. It was either for pranks or for, or for uh, stone teenagers. The only two people that could have appreciated this film. I mean, to get to 32 million is is significant, right? Like that's, I mean, this movie wasn't a runaway success by any means, but it doubled its budget and then some. Um, so, you know, clearly there was something there. I mean, my, my only assumption is that, you know, it's March. Uh, you know, parents got to take their kids to see something. Layla might have liked this movie. Layla, and she doesn't like babies the way she likes dogs. But Layla will watch all the horrible Airbud. I don't know if you know that there are like a lot of Airbuds here. Netflix will put, put out some Airbud or Air Buddies yeah. type movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, we watched all the Beethovens. You know, they're like six or seven Beethoven directors. How are those? Do those hold up? They're not good. I don't think the first Beethoven's good. I think it's a horrible movie. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but but she so she will watch all of those. I do think that there is this. But but, but dogs talking is cute i do think there is this idea that someone who doesn't have babies or someone or someone who's just kind of dumb might think that uh (laughs) kids like watching babies do shit but i don't know my my sense is kids don't really want to watch things that are that, that are babies well they don't here's why i think your kids kenny would not like the film is that um it's it's a dumb movie and your kids aren't dumb I, I, you know what I, I mean? Like, I love when you guys say that, but I don't think any kids are dumb. Like, I think kids think babies are stupid. Like, my three-year-old Cole, yeah. the biggest insult you could you could call him is a baby, right? Um, the B word, the B word, and like, I that's what Rollins calls him to to fuck with him, and that's what gets Rollins sent to his room, calling him a baby. There's nothing that babies that little kids want to be associated with less than being a baby. So I don't think they find I don't think they find this type of thing nearly as appealing as I think the executives think it is. Well, here's here's the other question: is that it's possible that like I mean I I hear what you're saying about Cole, so maybe maybe this doesn't prove anything, but but I do think that perhaps a child that's that's younger than this movie's protagonists, so a child around four or five, might enjoy something this sort of because it's it's very slapsticky it's very visual it's very sort of like you know maybe i I really don't know 
But listen, it made money, so I fuck if I know. I don't well, but uh, you think about films like Big, for instance. It's the concept of a of a young person in a old person or older person's body, but still with the making decisions that a that a child would make, and those work. And then, but you reverse it and you put an adult brain in a baby body, and that didn't work. So I think that we've decided the world just likes pubic hair. <laughs> yeah, I think- <laughs> You, you guys, I haven't, but have you seen Freaky yet? Not yet. I haven't seen it. It's, it's not out yet. Is it? Oh, it's. I think it either. It's in theaters. It's not. It's not on VOD yet. Reviews out yet? Yes. Reviews yeah. out. And it seems very good, but that is kind of the adult in the younger person's body, and I. I Kind of can't wait to fucking watch it. Yeah, no, I mean, the reviews have been really positive. I'm not a Vince Vaughn fan as, as a human, as a person. I think he's kind of a piece of shit, but um, I'll, I mean, maybe I'll check it out. Phil, what do you want to do? You want to rank? You want to yeah, rate so this? Fucking rate this turd. <laughs> so, Kevin, I don't know if you know on the show, we do rate rankings or rating mm-hmm. from yep. 1 to 99, 1 being the worst, 99 being the best. Uh, that was amazing. It was, Someone, it's a construction worker, just walked behind Kenny. Again, I'm, 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 I'm ten days into this home. Uh, I think that was one of the workers from Baby Corp. We do, yeah. we, do we do, we do three rankings on the show. Phil, I've never done this part before, but I'm very excited to do. It. We do three, three rankings: what you thought when you first saw it, but none of us saw it; what you thought before this podcast, and what you think after this podcast. So I'll go first. Uh, before this pod- podcast, I think I said. I usually write a little something. I think I said, what the fuck? 12. And I gave it a 12. Um, I'm going to go a little higher. I don't think it's like the worst. What? I don't think it's the worst crime crime against humanity of all films we've seen. I think it's ultimately kind of guileless. Um, I wasn't insulted by its existence. This isn't Love Stinks. I'm going to give it a 15. Wow. Uh so before this podcast, I I give it a nine. Um, you know, I don't I don't know what the lowest I've ever given a film is. Quite honestly, I think Love Stinks. I think we were at threes or something like that. Like we really fucking hated Love Stinks. Like that that's the worst. Um, that broke us. On, yeah, <laughs> like Love Stinks terrible. broke us. Um, but uh, yeah, this is this is a nine for me. I mean, even after this podcast, I I I really can't even go into double digits on this thing. Like I I, I just feel like this movie failed at all of its failed at its at its goals um to me personally anyway i mean i guess some people might have enjoyed it but yeah this, this, this movie doesn't work failure it's a total failure yeah. one of the worst movies you'll ever see but you know it's a 15 yeah, it's a gentleman's 15 because i do uh, guileless yeah. i think that there's a lot of cynicism in the in the in the creation of this movie like this is a sure this is, sure this is this is a real boardroom pitch it's babies, but they're people and also they're violent. But uh, in execution, it didn't quite seem as miserable as some of the other – like I think Bicentennial Man is a more miserable movie. Um, oh, I don't. I mean I think that this film just, – just to be clear, I don't think this film is sinister. I don't think that, that anyone yeah, has, okay. has sat around – like I think that this movie is, is uh, just ineffectual. And, and bad at what it's trying to do. Uh, and it tries to juggle a bunch of tones and technology that makes it unsettling on top of being annoying. Yeah, it's a terrible so, movie. It's a bad the, movie. The what slug, do you think, Kevin? The slug line for this movie uh, is think innocent, think helpless, think again. 
And I do believe that uh, they should have listened to the advice of that before releasing Baby Geniuses. Uh, also, they put under the title Baby Geniuses, Naps Are History. So they want you to know uh, that, that that right there, that was my... That was my thought going into this. So, so going into watching it, I once again, I had high expectations as a film that I had never seen. I really thought it could have been as high as a 30. I'm now going to give it the score of probably the age of the star of the film, which would be uh, uh, Wit, the twin. So I'll also give it a two. Oh, a two. The, 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 the actual actors themselves were five, just for what it's worth. Um, but but I think they are I think they are acting as though they are, are are around too. It's it's a bad movie. Here's the poster. I don't know if you guys can see it, but it, it's the it's Baby Wit holding test tubes. Um, uh, you guys can't. I, 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 have, oh yeah, I can I, I can see it. I can see it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, Wit doesn't wear glasses, so that's also bullshit. No, no. Well, only when he reads. But uh, naps are history, as any parent knows, is the scariest thing you could tell a parent of a baby. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that that is a fairly effective tagline. I would agree. Um, so next week we are doing a long-awaited film that people have been excited for us to do, which we were excited to do. Um, we we are finally covering Galaxy Quest. Uh, it's going to be our first film uh, of 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 the new year of 2021. We have uh, Felicia Day coming on uh, or came on to uh, to talk about Galaxy Quest with us. She was a delight. Um, and the movie is a fucking masterpiece. And to go from baby geniuses to Galaxy Quest in one move really shows uh, the the how nimble this podcast is. Um, but uh, what are your thoughts on Galaxy Quest, Kevin? I uh, have yet to watch it, guys. So wow, if you watch it, you enjoy it. You'd love it. I, You'd love it. I, I, I will watch it, and I will watch it just so I can uh, know what I'm getting into before I listen to the next episode. Uh, and <laughs> thank you for including me in podcasts like it's 1999. I've been a, a listener and a fan for some time, and I'm just glad that I was much better than Timmy was on the show. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> much better. Galaxy Quest is the anti-baby geniuses in that it is. A similarly insane premise that they pull off brilliantly. Just, just um, perfectly. Kevin, you're the best. Oh, Listen to my rock every morning, five to ten. Is yeah, that right? I can't keep track anymore. This is what I was. That was all just practice to get here. So thank you for including me in the, uh, <laughs> the podcast. If you're not already subscribing to the Patreon for the 1989 film, stop being so cheap, guys. <laughs> An hour and 22 minutes of free entertainment. If we talk for another 10 minutes, guys, this podcast about the film will be exactly the same length as the film. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, that, that, was, that was always the goal. Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, thank you so much for coming on uh, for this, honestly, Kim, for this, for this film, uh, for, for watching this movie. Yes. Yeah. I mean, for, 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 for taking the time to sit down and... and I knew I could count uh, on you, though, to, 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 to come and sacrifice your time for this disgusting i do i do just want to say before we before we sign off that texting with kenny uh, as he was watching baby geniuses he started from a place of <laughs> life is too short to watch movies like this like yes. that was where he started yeah. and then by the end he was just like wow man fucking baby geniuses like this this i mean not that he was a fan he obviously wasn't but like the movie had somehow turned a corner and had somehow kind of 
gone from this bleak, dark place to somehow being like, I'm kind of glad it exists. It feels well, like. you called you know, it when you when you called it the most audacious movie of 1999. I really tried to embrace that notion. I really tried to. Like, you you said that uh, in the middle of my watching. I'm like. Uh, Maybe it is. Maybe it could be. Maybe, maybe there's something here for us. But if, if, yeah, if I could yeah. compa- compare this to anything else that I've experienced, it's almost uh, similar oh. to finishing a, a grueling a Peloton ride that you hate every minute that you're on it. But then when you finish it, you feel like you've accomplished something and you don't know yeah, what yeah, that yeah. is. There was a feeling of accomplishment getting to the end of that weird, morbid uh, montage uh, uh, of the babies when I thought they were going to put up a graphic that said like three babies were injured in the making of this film. I I really, I wasn't sure if it would end with a call to action, an 800 number to donate. I I wasn't sure what what they wanted from me. I was emotionally kind of a wreck at the end of it, but I did feel like I I got through it and... um, And so for that, I think we're all we're all slightly better people that wasted uh, almost uh, two hours of our lives. Oh, amazing, Kevin. Thank you again. Truly, uh, it was it was uh, it was amazing. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.